I'm not the house of cards that falls down easily. Ooh, I'm strong enough to handle what you throw at me. Welcome to Mental Health News Radio. I'm your host, Kristen Sunanta Walker. Just what are we going to discuss? The intimacy that is mental health. Let's continue to make it as comfortable as discussing brain health or heart health. This show has been on the air for several years and we have amazing co-hosts. And then we created a network of podcasters on mentalhealthnewsradionetwork.com, a place where every possible facet of mental well-being can be talked about openly. My show, after several hundred interviews, the format is this. Intimate, deep, funny, touching, sometimes uncomfortable, but always vulnerable conversations with interesting people. The goal is to have you, our listening family, many of you who have become my good friends, feel as though you are listening in on private conversations. Thank you for tuning in and becoming part of this amazing journey with me and now with our network of podcasters. Just knowing this podcast might be helping any of you realize you are not alone on this journey called being a human being makes doing this podcast worth every second welcome to mental health perspectives with your host dr john huber and Ms. kristen walker get a little more about dr huber by going to his website at mainstreammentalhealth.org and you can learn more about Ms. walker by going to her website at mentalhealthnewsradionetwork.com Ms. walker dr huber welcome to your very own program how are you both I'm amazing. Thank you. Excellent. I'm incredible. Excellent. Well, this week in America, there seems to be a lot of talk about resentment towards among classes in America, where you have people of, of different economic proportions that are kind of resentful towards the rich. A lot of people are saying, well, you know, we should tax people a lot more who are wealthy, they deserve to pay more. It seems that people, tend, at times, or a certain amount of people are very upset that a lot of people, some people have a lot of money. So I was wondering, Dr. Huber, what is the psychological aspect of an individual who does not like the fact that an, another individual is wealthy? What, why is there a undercurrent of resentment when one individual does not like the fact that another person is wealthy? Well, what happens is people don't want to think that, hey, you know, I should have paid more attention in school. I should have I should have done my math tables longer and I should have memorized those charts and I should have been better at science. Instead of turning the reason why they aren't, for example, a successful surgeon on themselves for not doing the work and not doing the, the, the mechanical things you have to do to learn those types of things. It's much easier for the ego and, and safer for the ego to go after the other individual and say they don't deserve it. They, they shouldn't be wealthy. They shouldn't have that money. And it, it, it's an ego defense mechanism. And what we've seen mm -hmm. is not only the media, but po politicians have capitalized on that and they reinforce that. So it, it makes them feel almost good and justified, like somehow they're a martyr because they're standing up and saying, look, you know, I, it's not fair that I don't have the money that that surgeon does, instead of saying, you know, I didn't want to do well in school. I like being a, a, 
party person or a friendly person. I was good at sports, so I focused on that. Then I got into college, or I didn't. But after college, you know, you could have been a 4.0 student, but you were tired of going to school. That surgeon went to school probably for another 12 or 14 years and then worked under another surgeon for anywhere from four to maybe 12 years if they're a heart surgeon. So they didn't even start their independent practice as a, as, as a surgeon until maybe they were pushing 50 years old. So who wants to wait that long to go out and be that productive, wealthy member of society? Well, that surgeon did. He did the work. She did the work. They went through all that. They, they studied, they focused, and they kept themselves on the grindstone the whole time. And other people choose not to do that. And it's easier instead of picking on yourself and saying, wait a minute, you know, I made a choice. It's easier to blame the other person and say they don't deserve it. They didn't get there on their own and they didn't need this. And uh, it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's not a healthy way to think, honestly. Ms. Booker, I was wondering if you could please weigh in on this as well. And also, I'm yeah. wondering yeah. if jealousy, if a person is jealous or envious of another, does that increase their chances of them attaining more wealth or does that restrain them or restrict them? and you know not make them capable or hurt their chances of attaining more wealth well i think if you i think that uh abundance of any kind and i you know you can have an abundance of crap too so i'm I'm, (laughs) you know uh, abundance of things that you would want to be abundant in comes to you much easier if you are someone who isn't a jealous person uh, if you, you know, if you come from a place of love and, uh, you know, good stewardship, I think that abundance comes to you, um, abundance that you can be really happy about because there are a lot of very wealthy, very, and I mean, I, we have a billionaire in our family and um, they are the most, that's literally have lived the most miserable life and, are, use that money to shame and hurt their family. And, you know, I, I, I wouldn't want to be them for all that money ever, 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 ever. So I agree with what you said, Dr. Huber. I absolutely do. Cause there's that side of it. And I look at it like you were just explaining how society and the media can look at someone with money. Here's how I, here's how I do it. And this works for me may not work for anybody else. I do not compare my finances with or my popularity or lack of it or whatever with anybody else. I do not look at a surgeon or Ellen DeGeneres or whoever and say, oh, my gosh, they have achieved something better than me. I used to do that. And that is what a lot of society does. And there's so much out there, the Tony Robbins and the whatever that say, you can have what I have if you just blah, 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 blah. And I, I just can't go there um, anymore because it isn't healthy, especially in the mental health field. Some of these people I know, just getting up and taking a shower makes them a champion. So I am not going to say, you should be Tony Robbins. And if you aren't, you're not a champion. It's BS, in my opinion. This is how I look at it. Everybody is on their own journey. There's no need to compare. Oprah has what Oprah has because that's her journey in life. It is not a reflection of what I don't have. My life is a reflection of what I do with my life. It's not for anyone else to Absolutely. look at and compare. Awesome. 
Yeah, some people, I guess. That that, that gets, yeah, that gets me through the, my own bias, because I'm not going to lie, I do have it about things, you know, looks and money and all that stuff. I can get very insecure, um, just like anybody else. So this is something that I've changed my brain around to think a different way. And I'm still trying to make my brain create a neural pathway so that that's how I really think all the time. Does that make sense? Wow. She's human. Oh my goodness. Exactly. I'm human and I'm, and I do advocacy and it doesn't mean that I, I did change my life and, and downsized and everything to do this network that I do um, and I, you know, I don't drive a Volvo anymore. I drive a Toyota and that doesn't mean that I'm okay with not making money. I want this venture to make money because then I can do more stuff. It's not for me to yeah. drive a BMW, even though there's nothing wrong with having one. It's just where I would spend. It wouldn't be on that. And now I'll be quiet because I've just blathered on. No, it's wonderful. It you're really you're awesome. That was perfect. I loved it. Transitioning <laughs> into the next story is that a study came out this week that said over 50% of Americans consider themselves modern day workaholics. There's a study that came out. They said, I'm trying to figure out where it's from, but they did a survey of 2,000 employees that showed that the average American works four hours a week for free and then burns another four hours just thinking about their job. More than 50% were stressed out from work. Fifty eight percent check their emails the first thing that they do when they wake up in the morning. So there's a lot of studies that say that um, they, the average person logs on to their computer and their phone for almost eight hours of screen time daily, and some cases were nine hours. So if you have this many people, small uh, number, sorry, this many people. Workaholics, and you would imagine that with all that work and effort paying off, you would have a lot more wealthier people. So, I'm mm-hmm. just going to ask you, uh, Miss Walker, from your perspective, why do you think that we are such a nation of workaholics? And if we are such a nation of workaholics, hypothetically speaking, why aren't more people content with their their finances? Why are people still struggling if they're working so hard? Well, I think that it's that that you know what we just talked about it's this culture created thing which means we created it that money is what makes you successful at the, that having a bunch of stuff is um, what makes you successful and so we work 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 a to have some sort of status that we've put out there and culture culturally it's i can't say that word it's everywhere too feeding that back to us um, so that's part of it. And then I also think that work becomes an addiction. It becomes a way to anesthetize yourself from feeling your emotions, from living, you know, a balanced life. And uh, it's really easy to sit down in front of a computer or be on your phone and, and get into being anesthetized, A, because, boy, has it been made into an addiction on purpose, so uh, that's reality with with smartphones and you know social media. It is an addiction, and it was designed to have us become addicted. And it also is a place where we can hide. And um, and so getting that balance and and dipping out like you did, Dr. Huber, where you just went off Facebook and you know taking those those moments to step away gives you the the uh, the space to 
see life and see how all this machine of social media and everything works and how it's affecting you and then decide to be a part of it, but you control it instead of it controlling you. Yeah, and Dr. Ewer, what are your thoughts? Well, we think about workaholics and it's, and the number of people who are dissatisfied with what they do, where they work and like that. And again, I think you get what you put into, into your world. And just because you're working hard doesn't mean you're working smart. Right. People think, for example, going to, going to work for a corporation is a safe thing to do. And what happens is you have very little control over what you do in that environment. You have to do what the company tells you to do, work on projects the company wants you to work on. And it may be enjoyable for a while. But as you get to a point where, okay, you're not learning anything new, you're not expanding your own life, that satisfaction starts slipping away and you start all of a sudden being there for the paycheck instead of for the, the, the challenge that it may present you. And it, it's funny, you know, I got my first job as a school psychologist and my family is like, okay, cool, that's what you're going to do the rest of your life. And I go, no, I'm still trying to figure out what I want to do as when I grow up, you know. And I kept getting degrees and education and I kept building my life and experiencing different things and different avenues. Mm -hmm. And I'm still expanding. I still, I'm like, oh, wow, I want to try this now. And, oh, wow, this is going to be great. I'm going to try that. And, you know, financially, I'm not the most successful person, you know, even in my own family, you know, we, we struggle, we watch bills and, and what do we spend money on? But from a personal life, I, I have the control. I mean, if I don't like where my company's going, my practice, you know, I, I venture off into new areas and, and close other doors behind me. And I have that. And so I don't get bored at work. I don't get frustrated at work with yeah. those normal things. Now, I get frustrated with work when, when plans don't work right. But, hey, guess what? I'm the person making the decision. If it's not working right, I can change those. But I have to step back and look at what I'm doing. And, you know, mm -hmm. so so my I look at every day as a challenge. You know, I, I open when people ask me how I'm doing. I am amazing. I did one amazing thing every day. I wake up breathing. And you don't realize how difficult <laughs> that is until you deal with people who are dying and sick. And, you know, it is amazing to have that fact. And then the next thing I get is I get to do what I want to do that day. Now, I agree yeah. sometimes to, to, to make contracts with people and show up at certain times, but I made those choices. If it ends up being a bad meeting or a bad, bad situation, I made the choice. So now I have control to change that choice. And yeah. I think that that's where so many people were taught in America to be good little employees. And unfortunately, mm -hmm. capitalism is driven by people who are innovative, people who don't follow the norm, so to speak, and break out of that shell. And it takes a special kind of person who's not afraid to do that, or maybe they are afraid, but the fear of being stuck in that other situation is greater. And that's the amazing thing that I think everybody faces and we settle or we don't. And I think going back to the first question we talked about, you know, and we get stuck in this situation where in third grade, well, my parents are, are, you know, not 
college-educated people, why do I need to be that way? Well, it gives you more opportunities. You don't have to be anyway. You know, you make a choice. Exactly. But we don't oftentimes get exposed to the right prompts to help us make those better decisions. And it, it's, it's unfortunate. But, you know, neither one of my parents had a college degree. It made it oftentimes difficult for me when I got into college because I didn't understand the collegial system, academia, how it worked. I finally was, you know, in this sink or swim kind of situation, and I lucked out, and I, I met an amazing professor, David Carpenter, and he basically said, okay, here's what's going on. You don't understand the system. Here's what's happening, and this is academia. It's not capitalism where they want necessarily you to make that money. They want you, they have other goals in mind for you, and you have to learn from that. So take your experience and grow. And, man, you want to talk about opening doors for me at that point in my life, and it's continued to work for me. Know the environment you're in. If things aren't going right, maybe you need to study a little bit, figure out more about the system and what's happening. And that's one of the reasons why, you know, when I got into this journey, I pick up the phone one day and I called called this this strange weird guy ryan mccormick go oh, hey i think i think i need some help <laughs> and this guy walks in and he goes yeah you do and i go well i'm already a therapist so uh you know <laughs> so he pointed me down this road and it's been an amazing here learning we experience. here we are and and i think i have more control over my situation now than ever because of the things he continues to teach me and and I'm so thankful for that. And he, he we worth need to do a YouTube. You, you guys, we need to do a YouTube video of us to promote and talk about our podcasts. Um, and we need to talk about how we all met and connected and put that on YouTube. That's right. We got right. the Star Wars music in the background. The, yes, yeah. Ryan, you can put whatever music you want. <laughs> Uh, it's interesting that we are going down this road. And now, I'd like to ask you both that, I'll start with you on this one, Dr. Huber. When you are starting, when you are in a profession or field, what are two qualities of a good mentor? Why should you seek out a mentor? What are the psychological Whoa. benefits <laughs> of finding a mentor? And how would you define that uh, mentorship relationship as being you know, healthy, mentally healthy? Well, the first thing I would do is, is watch the people around you when you're looking for that mentor. And you find somebody, you say, you know, that, that's somebody I would emulate to be. I, I think that person has qualities that reflect who I believe I either am or I want to be. I'm growing into. That's the first thing. The second thing is watch how the people around them react to them. And that 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 should solidify it right there. And yeah. you're not getting, oh you're God. not seeing the reaction of strangers to this person. If you're not seeing reactions to people that they know to this person that you want to be part of, move on. You know, yes, they may be where you want to be in life, but at what cost? You need to do it at, at what you are willing to pay for it. So watch them, learn from them, even though they may not be the kind of person you want to be, take that information and find the mentor who is the kind of person you want to be. And it's going to help your decisions right there. Even if they may not be the best specifically at a specific task you're looking to be, they're, they're going to give you skills and qualities that, 
that you never even thought were, were there because obviously they're successful or you wouldn't be looking at them as a mentor. And they may have a different game plan, and you can learn from that, period. And what are your thoughts, Ms. Walker? Well, I mean, it's funny, you know, I, I somewhere in my 40s, mid-40s, I started, you know, pitching over into the mentor side, and I I like it. I mean, I love being somebody's cheerleader and champion. It fits with my ENFP personality uh, big time, and uh, so I really like it. But I, I so agree that you have to look at um, how other people uh, react to this person and do they have a history of mentoring other people and what have those other people, you know, achieved under their mentorship. So there's, there's a lot, you know, that goes into it, but in terms of key things that make you a good mentor, I think, um, insane curiosity, like just a fevered curiosity about life and about the way things work. Um, and I also think, uh, you know, enthusiasm, altruism, um, patience, and really being an incredible listener um, and uh, being extremely reflective about yourself. Um, it makes you, you know, a really great mentor as well, because you can't really help someone with their life if you've had no life experience, if you've had no hardships, and you don't have a any kind of perspective or any awareness of self, um, then you'd make a really horrible mentor. So those, those are things that I would say would make someone a, I wouldn't look at, Oh, cause they make a billion dollars um, as your only criteria. Um, because like I said earlier, there are some billion dollar jerks out there. <laughs> <So> <laughs> don't want to be mentored by them. I, I get just as much mentorship out of a friend of mine who. Uh, lives in a cabin way, way up in the woods. She doesn't charge hardly anything for her help, and yet she does the most amazing spiritual healing I've ever seen in my life. And she eats from her own garden, and she doesn't have any money. So, you know, it, it's it's all relative. <laughs> and she needs to be on your show, Ryan. Yeah. Well, love to have her. I'm always just talking <laughs> to new people, and just want to let you both know that. I've had several mentors. One of my favorite authors, I sought him out, became friends with him, became his, actually became his publicist, and he was also a teacher of mine. So I highly encourage all the people that are out there, if you have somebody you respect, doesn't matter how important or how big they are, go after them. You'd be surprised at how many people are not being pursued. Like there are a lot of teachers that are out there that people just want to approach because they think they're too busy. But I think if you want it enough and you show the teacher enough respect, you'd be surprised at what kind of relationship you can build. And as we uh, conclude today's show, uh, there are a lot of crazy people that are on the roadways, people that do not know how to drive, which is about eight, everyone on the road except for you. So I'd like to ask you, uh, start this off. Ms. Walker, what is your best piece of advice to remain mentally calm when you come across a horrible driver? Oh, my goodness. Age, um, patience. <laughs> I literally just had someone, uh, and I live in the country, and I hate it. But I grew up you know, around L.A. and Orange County, so I learned how to drive a stick shift in Orange County. So it's not like I didn't grow up in horrible traffic. 
it was horrible. Okay. So, but the other day I love being in the country because there's no traffic. It adds to the wonderment of my life that I don't have to deal with traffic. But the other day I was being so nice. I'm a gracious driver because I feel like that's good karma. You want to have good karma when you're in a car that could kill people or yourself. And so I was going to let someone, you know, go ahead of me. And this guy got so irritated that I was going to let him go ahead of me that he started screaming and cursing at me. And then he reached up like he was going to grab his gun from his gun rack if I wouldn't go. And the last thing I wanted to do was go in front of him where he could actually shoot me. But I did to get away from him. And then he sped off angrily. And I thought, my goodness, that is someone that does not know how to receive. And can you imagine being that angry and driving a vehicle that you actually get angry with someone who's trying to be gracious to you? Wow, that's uh, that's pretty awful. Doctor Uber, what do you what do you do when uh, people uh, decide to you know drive poorly on the road next to you? How, how do you handle it? Well, what you advice know, would it, you it, offer? It, it, <laughs> You know, just, <laughs> just let them go. Yeah. Slow, yeah, slow down, drop off three to five mile an hour, let them just go on past you. Life is too short to get caught up in yeah. something like that to get you killed. It, it's just not worth it. And, uh, you know, sometimes sometimes the opposite, you need to just get away from them. Uh, you know, you, you look over and you think to yourself, wow, you know, that guy, that, that guy would be a much better driver if he just put that beer down. Or just put that cell phone down, you know. Or that get away joint. From, yes. Or that <laughs> joint, exactly. And uh, you know, it, maybe he drives faster if he put the joint down. You know. You, you know, and I, and I say that as I pull over right now, and I, I I see two people pull up, and they're doing a drug deal right in front of me here right now. Oh God. Um, and and it, it's it's bizarre. Just walk really out is. and say, "Excuse me, what are those drugs? I'm a doctor." See what they say. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think I think the car who's who's buying them it has like three three kids under the age of about seven oh. in the back seat. Yeah, I think uh, they they might be a little irritated. Wow. Uh, but uh, <laughs> it's scared. <laughs> it, it, it it is bizarre, and you know I can't I don't know their world. I don't know their life. You know this this may yeah. be better than the other options that they have. To, you know. Uh, but I'm not saying it. I, I'm happy with this, but, um, you know, it, it, I'm not a judge. I'm not a police officer. Uh, you know, uh, if I could clearly see identifying marks on their, on their vehicles, which, you know, they have a paper license tag on their vehicle. I can't like say, Hey, you know, go after this car or that car. It, it's just, you know, am I willing to risk my life and my situation to punish or somehow throw that out there. That that's, that's not my responsibility. That's not my role in life. And, uh, I don't like it, but it's just like that driver who's driving recklessly, you know, just step away, Get, let them go, let them go be reckless and don't, right. don't contribute to it. Right. It's not worth it. Life is too short. I have a different way of handling this thing. It's probably going to be unusual, but if I come across a driver who is pretty bad, what I like to do is I like to pull up next to them and then pretend that I'm having an argument with my hand, like have my hand like flap and go like, <laughs> I'm yelling at my hand. 
<laughs> you know, I make these like noises and not even include them because I want them to think, oh my God, I've just been coming in contact with a serial killer. This guy probably has bodies and stuff like that. So I have a tendency that when I do that, it kind of not only diffuses the situation, but that person wants to get as far away from me as possible. I'm just saying that's just my strategy. It's a peaceful one. But the reaction to <laughs> some of the driver's faces is actually totally worth doing. I actually, I should just do it more often for the fun of it. But um, I don't know. Just saying that, you know. Why does that not surprise me in any way, <laughs> shape, or form? Just pretend you're having that you an argument with yourself. Don't unusual. Even, yeah, if the person cuts you well, off, don't even, don't even act like, you're, you know, that they've done anything to you. Just pretend like you're having an argument with, with one of your, you know, with your hand. Like, I can't believe you could let this happen. You know? But that's whatever it takes. As long as we all come back and we're all alive. But then that concludes today's edition of Mental Health Perspectives with Dr. John Huber and Miss Kristen Walker. You can learn more about Dr. Huber by going to his website at mainstreammentalhealth.org. And we can learn more about Miss Walker by going to her website at mentalhealthnewsradionetwork.com. Miss Walker, Dr. Huber, great honor to be with you both today. And uh, we'll see everyone here back here next week. Thank, Thank you. you so much. I know, I know, no one likes commercials, but seriously, folks, without the help from these organizations, we could not stay on the air. Please give a shout out to zencharts.com. If you're a mental health or addiction treatment center, you'll want to use their EHR. It's gorgeous, and they're just good people. And also mygenetics, M-Y-G-E-N-E-T-X.com, because knowing your genetic code empowers your mental health treatment. And lastly, copenotes.com. We love getting positive messages right to our phones every day from Johnny Crowder. He's the lead singer of Prison, a heavy metal band sharing their music about suicide prevention, addiction recovery, and mental health. See, that was painless. Support them as they support us. Back to the show. Sometimes I'm passive aggressive, but never without good intentions. I heat up and act on my emotions. Thanks so much for listening to Mental Health News Radio. Our podcast can be found on iTunes, Stitcher, and hundreds of other podcast apps. Or you can visit our website at mentalhealthnewsradio.com. If you have a question or would like to be a guest, become a podcaster on our network, or join the amazing organizations that help keep us on the air, please email us at info at mhnrnetwork.com. Get ready for that special goodbye from our resident therapy dog, Miles, and a special thanks to Emily Sohn for letting us use her incredible song, Cordial, for our podcast music. Listen to the full song on SoundCloud at emily.sonne. Don't be surprised when I don't hate on you. After all we promised, we'd be cordial. Sometimes in you, I can fight it. Good boy.